Thank you, Pastor Roland, Pastor Chris, and Mayan. God bless you, Evelyn. Thank you so much. It's a joy to be with you this morning. Praise the Lord. I, uh, I'm just glad to, that I'm here. Praise the Lord. What if I tell you that God really wants revival for you? We pray for revival in Australia. We pray for revival in different nations, and we hope for revival in many places. I just feel that, you know, this morning as I was waiting upon the Lord for this meeting this morning, I just felt that the Lord is wanting to be personal with you, that you would have a personal, and that word is expectation, your personal expectation of your personal revival. And when you do, allow the Lord to create and move in you, the church gets its revival automatically. And uh, I was just checking with the Lord, how does this thing work? The Lord reminded me the fact that, uh, and I think, was it Alan who quoted Isaiah 53 and we're using a few scriptures to encourage us to believe? The, one of the significant things that the Lord had been teaching me is to realize that everything that is needed for you is accomplished, already done, already in store in the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm. That's why Paul was very confident in, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, he says, all spiritual blessings, all heavenly blessings are actually available. That's a big holding out. He held out that everything that you need can be converted from the spiritual into the physical realm. It's about our expectation. Another word for it is hope and trust. Hope is the expectation of that which is good. But you see, hope doesn't operate by itself. For hope to become a reality, it's faith. But to would, when, when you introduce the word faith, many people feel a little bit intimidated because we always have a not enough syndrome. I don't have enough faith. I don't have this and that and so on. But the point is, God doesn't even need a lot. He says only a, like a mustard seed. It's a, it's a dilemma sometimes because on one hand, it's a mustard seed. On the other hand, it's like, oh, you're a woman of great faith. You're a man of great faith. How does this work? You know, and yet at the same time, there's too much to go through all that. So I'm not, I'm not even going to try. But I just want to encourage you that it's not meant to be so complicated. Just have a sense of expectation. And I believe there's a good sense of holistic expectation in this church. And again, I want to attend to both of you this morning that for however that the Lord had groomed you and however that you have been allowing yourself to operate within the context of great honor with, with your, your uncle and your senior pastor and so on, this honor is bringing back honor unto you. The Lord honors you for the way that you're honoring other people and you're honoring those people out there and you're honoring 
the area. You know, coffee time, you told me about how you were invited to be in the midst of uh, pastor's fellowship, and you're the only Asian guy. And that's an interesting thing. And I believe the Lord wants to tell you this, that this would honor very special. And incidentally and accidentally, it came out in one of the conversations out there uh, when I was having my cup of coffee. But I meant to, to inform you that this is a new season, 2020. It's a season of the Lord honoring you and you and you and you and you and you. The Lord wants to honor you. And he wants to encourage you with a good sense of expectation, which is another word for faith and hope. Expectation of that which is to come. Because everything that you need is available. For example, let's close our eyes. Please close your eyes right now. I'm going to make a call and pray for people who are having problems with your ears. Your left ear is a problem to you. If you have this problem, please lift up your hand. I'll pray for you right now. There you go. How many? Let me see your hand clearly. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. One dozen of you having a need. Thirteen. 14, 15, 16 at the back there. Let's have an expectation that this morning the Lord will do something miraculous for you. Everything that is needed is already in store for you. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We thank you. Jesus, your name is glorified today. Father, we look to you right now and that which is available we draw down touch and heal these ears in the name of Jesus because we take authority over these conditions right now and I speak to these ears in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that this body belongs to the Lord and the infection or the problem that we have does not control the body, but you who are the Lord of this body controls it. So in return, we retaliate against this condition and we speak healing. I speak healing. I speak healing right throughout this body here. 15 of them, 16 of them. One more at the back there. In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke this condition and I take authority over it, and I speak restoration and healing in Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed, and I'm going to pray for people with a tear duct problem on your right eye. If you've got such a problem, lift up your hand and put it down again. Thank you, Jesus. Tear duct problem. In your, yes, thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, bring healing to this condition also in Jesus' name. I speak to those things that, Father, we do not know what the cause is, but you will release your healing and restoration in this case in Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed, and I want to pray for people with growths in your body. If you have some kind of growth, uninvited growth in your body, can we believe the Lord and have an expectation that growths will disappear? If you have any growths in your body or cysts in your body, lift up your hands. Oh, quite a number of you. Oh, 
Father, you've done it before many times. Cysts and growths, we command these things to disappear because we break the power of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, that the roots will now be broken in its power because the healing and restoration from these undesired growths has already been accomplished. We receive the victory over them. We rebuke them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we give thanks to you. Lord, we honor you. Holy Spirit, I honor you. I love you. I thank you. Do that which you want to do this morning. And I'm only your mouthpiece. Now that these things are exposed, they're in the light. The power of darkness is broken. And the power of sickness is broken. The power of these growths are broken. The power of the ear problem is broken. The eye problem is broken. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Expectation and honor. I feel that the Lord is wanting us as a church to have a, 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 a sense of macro vision. You see, I ministered a little while ago on the micro individually, and he knew your, he knew your needs. So there's no, uh, no issue about the Lord wanting to meet us individually but he also wants us to make sure that every one of us will have a bigger vision other than our own a sense of knowing that it is about his overall picture in the world a macro picture and the conditions that pastor roland was leading us to pray just now regarding wuhan and so on it's a macro picture it's very easy for us to kind of somehow split, slip, slip into our own little corner and then we're just you know, quite oblivious to what's going on around the world. You see, in Australia, we are not wearing masks, but you're in other parts of the world, in Asia particularly, all wearing masks. And I just, I just knew that there's a doctor who was giving some instruction about masks. He's saying that actually the mask is not, necessary, not necessarily the best thing for everybody to wear. Anyway, you know, you go and Google yourself and watch your YouTube. You've got more information than I can give you, and I don't want to waste my time. But the point is, I feel the Lord is wanting to challenge the church to have a big, bigger picture of our own. I do sense that this is actually available in your minds. You guys are, this is a good church. I think Ellen wasn't just exaggerating. This is a good church, um, and I'm not advertising it because I'm a guest. He's not paying me for this. It's, it's for free, all right? But I, I come in and I sense a situation, and in certain places, I only go there once. I only have 52 Sundays a year, okay? So I, some of the churches I don't even get to in one year. Anyhow, um, all in the Lord, um, and I know that, you know, the, the theme of friendship is on evangelism, and 
I don't need to be a prophet to come and talk to you about evangelism. Um, but I do want to encourage you that um, really, this is, we are closer to end times than we know. I uh, felt the last two weeks, the Lord was really challenging me on this area. And um, we know many things. Cognitively, intellectually, we know many things. The reality that reveals really how much we know and how much we are having a conviction for, that stands for the real thing, the real thing about us. How much is it really bringing out in terms of having a burden for those who need to hear the gospel, particularly in your world, in your private, personal world. We have more things to worry about than to have faith for. We worry about whether people will receive what we want to say, what we would share, or we would have faith for people to be healed, people to be saved. So how do you determine what we have? It is by the way we speak and by the way we think and by the way we live. Whatever you store in here will become our output. If we store in faith, in faith output is faith. But if we store in fear, output is fear. And, um, well, these things are kind of like, uh, it's, it's a big thing, really, in terms of renewal of a mind. And how do you know whether your mind is renewed and whether what level of faith you're in? It all depends on your output because your output represents your input. And, the, for, and it's input for real, okay? Enough said. Let me just uh, get on to uh, what I'm supposed to be doing this morning. I'm supposed to preach. So I've got a few minutes. Let me do it very quickly in 20 minutes. Okay. I'm going to go into the first slide. I'm dealing with positive change revolution for transformation in Christ. Transformation in Christ is evangelism and discipleship because that's what it's supposed to be. If evangelism does not change a person, that person is not fully evangelized. If discipleship does not lead to transformation, it's merely cognitive and anything that shows us that we have not been changed, actually it reveals that you haven't got it yet. If you have heard many things and if you're educated much in terms of your Bible study and Bible biblical knowledge, but if you are not changed, you haven't got it. And so positive change revolution in Christ. Jesus talked about repent because the kingdom of heaven is here. And um, the word repent, meta, no, meta is actually change, metamorphosis. Meta means change and Noah is the mind, the change of mind or mindset change for what gives life. That's what I added. Because just saying Meta Noah means change of mind, what does it really mean? What I mean to convey to you this morning is what gives life to you. If information did not give life to you, that is not real change of mind. Because what's the point of changing, uh, having a, a mindset uh, information, a mind. You see, 
I think I'm, I don't know whether I've informed you that uh, the people who study about faith formation, and there are many people who have done that, okay, they actually, the Catholics are quite deep in their spirituality, and they have a great sense of forming faith, faith formation. And um, one of the things that they discover as a very simple process is you think you are attending Bible studies, you think you're listening to sermons, you think you are knowing many things about God. Well, look through a process, information, formation, transformation. If there is information, which many of us probably have, has not formed Christ in us or formed faith in us, and we have not allowed ourselves to be transformed, the process of faith development has not completed. And so we might have been listening to sermons for 20, 30 years. The challenge is, of course, and it will show. For example, it will show in our prayer meeting whether we have any conviction for it. It's called ethos. If you have a conviction, you have a character, or you have a behavior that follows it, it's your ethos. And you are well, well educated in this church because this is a middle class church. It is not a, a grassroots church when I'm preaching to, to places that are more grassroots. I wouldn't use the same terminology, but you guys are all well educated. You must understand this. You got to know yourself. You can't just say, I'm a Christian. What, who are you to question me? Well, you question yourself. I'm going to say amen today. You ask yourself, what's your ethos? What has come out of your Christian life? Because your ethos is your character and your behavior, and they represent your conviction. The fact that you would come for a prayer meeting, the fact that you will be a prayer warrior, the fact that you would become an intercessor is a reflection of your ethos, your conviction. And it is about what's in store. My wife once told me that, you know what? Renewal of mind. Actually, it represents what is stored in here. Because whatever that's not stored in here, it doesn't come out. You can say you know it. So here, Jesus is talking about the mind. What's stored? Okay, repentance. And, the, and I'm talking about this whole idea of friendship is so that we can preach the gospel. And we know that there are different methodologies that have been engaged that we have noticed over the years. Uh, at certain point in time, like Jonathan Edwards and so on, they had the focus on sin, conviction, and people who heard the messages were, were holding on to pillars and say, what must I do to be saved? You know, and uh, the, 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 power of the, of the, the power of convict, conviction, convicting of sin is it was another anointing which we seldom see. People like Charles Finney, he only, have, he only has to look at people, people looking into his eyes, they need to fall down and repent. I like that actually, that's very easy evangelism. Just look into your eyes and they will repent. <laughs> How about that? They did, and not only just one or two, a whole factory floor. He just walked into a factory. His presence caused people to fall down and, and repent. That's quite Marvelous. A sin salvation focus. And then you have the grace freedom focus, whereby it's now understanding that grace, you are free now. You're no longer under condemnation. You're not under, con uh, what do you call it, living under this kind of uh, insufficient complex, you know. Uh, I'm not enough for this, I'm not good enough for that. That syndrome. And then the need focus, which is sometimes quite self focused, really. 
Because if it's just only about meeting needs, what happens when your needs are met? Then your life becomes complacent. And uh, so when your life is complacent, you don't need to evangelize yet. Whatever happens, it happens. Whatever happens is out there, not really me, because I'm okay. All right, then heaven eternal focus. Uh, I, 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 just only last week, I felt drawn by the Lord to, to deal with this issue of heaven. And I've uh, been reading and, and, and listening to people teaching on heaven and people's experience about heaven. When you think about heaven, you have got to think about hell because it's a corresponding relationship between the two. We seldom talk about it. Maybe we should go and look, look out for it and find out what is really about this gospel that we are talking about. The gospel is not addressed in the Bible as the gospel of salvation, although salvation of souls is on top of most pastors' mind. And maybe your mind too, because you are concerned for the soul of your brother, sister, loved ones who want them to come to the Lord. On the other hand, you must understand that certain things don't, doesn't escape. Nobody escapes this, heaven or hell. We don't want to talk about hell. We don't want to be negative and so on. And I don't want to. I don't want to do that too. But then it's the Bible. It's reality. We will be doing ourselves a disfavor just only talking about the things we like to hear and the things that really matter. We don't want to attend to them. We are doing ourselves a great disfavor. The last one is the kingdom purpose focus, and that's where my life changed. That, was, that happened about 14, 15 years ago. And I happened to be in Melbourne at that time, and it was on, it's one of, it's, it's, you know, I woke up about 6 o'clock and barely getting bright, and then the Lord challenged me regarding church and kingdom. And then from there, he focused me on a whole series of things regarding family in God's kingdom, the men in God's kingdom, the father figure in God's kingdom. So when I was doing my research on, on, on for my doctorate, uh, the focus was actually on the father. We need to help fathers. We need to help the men. I might close our meeting this morning praying for the men. Is that all right? To empower the men so that they can come under alignment of this heaven thing so that the release will become a blessing to the wife, to the mother, and to the children. And when the church is under alignment, I think there's no end of what the Lord can do. I'm going to say amen. Okay. Uh, so we have different methodology regarding uh, evangelism. Um, now, now let's deal with this theme about friendship and so on. You have a friend in me. That's what the theme is. So that's relationship. And I'm dealing with how this thing is going to be practically applied in our conversations within the family. I don't know about your family. Sometimes it's not easy to carry out family conversations, especially when your children are growing a little older. Is that true with FGA folks or not? And when your children are a little older, they have a mind of their own, and they probably as uh, they, they 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 don't they don't necessarily engage you as much in conversation as much as they would with their peers. And so, um, in the in the whole process of things, uh, inevitably, in some families, conversation breakdowns happen. And when you have a 
broken conversation situation. There's hardly anything that can be done. So sometimes you have to be very intentional uh, in creating bridges so that we can actually know what's going on among the children and among the, the siblings and so on. I came across this approach on, 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 on this thing called appreciative inquiry. The word inquiry is asking questions. Jesus does that all the time. He, he, he answers questions with a question. And he, he, he questioned the obvious. Uh, this guy is blind or this guy is paralyzed. You know, remember the guy was paralyzed waiting for angels to stir the water. And then he came around and asked, what do you want? I mean, don't you know what I want? And then he asked the blind man, what do you want? So inquiry. And I, I think this is a key to our, our conversation uh, ability because very often we, we need to have something to start our conversation. And um, appreciative inquiry is a model that I'm proposing it to you. And appreciative is not starting from the viewpoint of a judgment, but start from a viewpoint of appreciation. Appreciating the fact that this is your wife, this is your husband, this is your son, this is your daughter, this is your whoever, colleague, friend, uh, classmate. Appreciative inquiry actually removes certain mindsets before you even start. Otherwise, we would start conversing with certain preconceived ideas about so-and-so. And the moment your preconceived ideas are in the fore, it might just hinder your ability to negotiate through to be able to start a conversation. So conversation with AI is to have a relationally friendly start, is to negotiate through hindrances, is to harmonize care with intention. You see, especially in a fa family situation or in a husband and wife situation or in a, a, a friendly situation, I, I believe your intention is good. And then at the same time, you are having to address issues. And then you want to address those issues directly. And you know that when you do that, Conversation breaks down. So, your intention is good. But the person whom you are addressing doesn't feel the care. That's the problem. Do you have this problem here in this, this part of Melbourne? Box Hill might be different from Willis Hill. I don't know. I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. We need to harmonize our intention with our care so that we can have some success in communicating even within friendships and families. And how about when you're wanting to re relate with somebody so that the gospel can be preached? Because if you want to preach the gospel to somebody, already, there are already preconceived ideas and so on. It's very difficult. And so I'm proposing this idea of having an appreciative inquiry, learn how to be like Jesus, ask questions, figure out, what, what's, what's, what's going on? And then ask the question. You may think you know, but maybe you should ask before you assume that you know. Because sometimes what we think we know is not exactly what it is. Um, 
and, and, and the thing is appreciative inquiry because there's a sense of appreciation. You know, we're talking about love. God so loved the world. We're talking about agape. Uh, I think it's about just being warm. It's already feeling. I hope that I'm speaking to you not in a very strong preaching tone. I'm not. I'm a conversational preacher. So I hope there's a bit of warmth that I'm relating to you this morning rather than just only trying to preach a message. I don't summarize just for the sake of it, but adding warmth relationally with the appreciative inquiry. We have facts and we, must, we have truth that must be said, but how? Well, maybe one of the things that I'm trying to learn is what gives life? Ask this question. Over-talking doesn't give life. Sometimes people get bored by our over-talking. And under-talking, just being silent in the home, doesn't give life either. So, but you see, it happens in a home. When there's someone who is more, pre, more dominant in talking, the other person withdraws and he will be silent. And, uh, and when this one starts talking too much, the other one withdraws and will be silent. So how are we going to match this kind of thing? Well, ask the Lord to help us. Amen. It's just like us who are preachers. I, I ask the Lord, what would give life to in this congregation this morning? I don't want to just come and occupy a space in your week. You only have 52 Sundays. I have 52 Sundays. I better say something that is of some value to you. I hope this morning praying for a few people adds value to you. I hope that this morning to tell you that, hey, I think the Lord is saying to you, you need to rise up with a higher sense of expectation for 2020. How many say amen to that? Let's add value to ourselves, okay? Speak life because if our talking does not speak life, it means it speaks other than life. It's not good, okay? So uh, how do you communicate such that it speaks? Not easy, and I'm not pretending that oh, I've got it all, man. I, I, I'm preaching a message that I'm actually in the learning process myself, okay? And I'm hoping the Lord will help us. You see, one of the things about learning how to be as having a sense of marrying appreciation with inquiry is also the concept of whether or not we are approaching it, approaching our conversation for our family, for our friendship, uh, based on problem solving or is it envisioning for something better? And coincidentally, this is not because of this. When I say expectation, it was something like a Rima just now. I, 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 I sort of felt spontaneously to deliver it to you, uh, have an expectation. But here, I actually had it in my notes here that it's about envisioning what you want your family to, to have or to, to enter into. Because... Over the years, haven't we been taught? You guys would have been in management. You guys would have had your education. They taught you how to analyze a situation, what they call the SWOT program, where you, you dis distinguish your problem and, and then find out how to solve it and so on, analyze it and so on. Yeah, but that's not it. Because it, if you had solved a lot of, I mean, some problems are solved by that kind of models, but, but there's another dimension of it. Even if you don't know all those models, it's okay. You all have an expectation of that which is good. Nobody hopes for the worst. We all hope for the best. How many say amen? We hope for a brighter future. If you know how to hope, you know how to envision. You want to see. You want to visualize. You want to learn how to speak life into the situation. 
And it's important for us now to actually put this into practice because out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth-heart connection is a very real connection. And then, of course, the ear is also connected with his heart. Whatever that speaks from your mouth enters the ear. It affects his heart. Whatever that you say reflects your heart. Whatever that he hears affects his heart. I thought that's quite profound. I think Jesus got it right. Out of your abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So what have we been storing in our minds and in our hearts? It'll come out. It'll come out from our mouth. And when we, when we figure what had just come out from our mouth, we got to check what's in our hearts. Because we're talking about, find a friend in me. Really? I want it to be real. How many say amen? I think we all want it to be real. But how do we make it real? Some of these things. Just remember, appreciate and inquire. And call it appreciative inquiry, if you like. Too technical? No? Everybody knows, everybody wants to be appreciated, right? And we should learn how to appreciate one another. It's called honor. And then, appreciative inquiry. This part is harder. We usually say what we think. We don't ask. We have to learn a new skill this morning. And uh, let's see what else have we got. Collective spirit. Own a positive future together. It's important for us to understand this. That if we want to have a successful friendship, we have to own a positive future about this friendship. This applies to our home, home applies to our marriage, applies to our, our relationship with our children. We have to own a positive future for our home, own a positive future for our church, because when we would have an ownership of it, it's vitally important. I often pray, uh, the Lord, you let my children have a powerful experience with you. And we know that we all need to experience God in a real way. How many say amen? Because that's the foundation. But when people are learning about this curve of faith development, experienced faith is only step number one. Because they have to promote from being, uh, having an experienced faith to a place whereby they will also have a seeking faith, whereby they should seek the Lord to be able to to, to enter into a greater knowledge of, the, of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, the third phase of the four, I'm just skipping the other one, the fourth, the, fourth, the, fourth, the fourth and the third, the last one that I'm talking about today is owned faith. The people in China, they have to figure out whether they owned their faith or not because it may be life and death. It could be life and death, life or death. So now Christians in Australia experienced faith, seeking faith, searching faith, own faith. And I'm talking about owning a positive future, a future of growing in faith. Brothers and sisters, we are people who have to learn to walk this journey whereby and life is a cycle. 
we want to have friendship, we have to discover what gives life to that friendship that you have between you and whoever. In a family, in a husband and wife situation. And then we have the dream of our future, envisioning our future. And then we have to co-construct with somebody about this future. One of the greatest problems that I had and my failure as a human being is thinking that while I'm responsible, I think I have to do it all. And I left my wife out for a season of our marriage and that had not done well. I repented of it, I regretted it. And you know, when you get older, you've got more things to regret. Then you sing like Frank Sinatra, regrets, I have a few. Then your ego says, but then it's too few to mention. That's ego. Okay. So the, but the truth is, um, you have to design certain things. And sometimes that design might not be yours. It could be your wife's design. My wife designed this thing, which we call, a, we have a family kind of thing together. And, uh, and that had been working very well. That's important. And of course, by the end of the day, it's about your destiny. Your friendship must find a destiny. You have to have a destination to your friendship. We're talking about find a friend in me, but what for? There must be a reason for it. So I know I'm giving you a lot of information this morning, isn't it? Quite a lot, really, for 20 minutes. <laughs> Hallelujah. 10 minutes went to ministry. So I won't do any more ministry here right now. But I told you I want to pray for men. Can all the men please stand up? Men, please identify yourself. <laughs> and make sure there's no confusion here. Sometimes in this world today, you can have confusion in gender confusion. <laughs> I have no time to tell you what I really have been on my heart because I'm involved in evangelism, church planting. I love to prophesy and uh, Jonah gets me for five days prophesying nonstop, you know. I've prophesied over, I don't know, it could be a hundred people. And it was fantastic. But you know what? This is a prophetic thing that I believe the Lord is doing. It could very well be prophetic of the end time church. Powerful men. Men in alignment with heaven. How many say amen? Men that will be empowered by heaven. And we might have to adjust ourselves. We might have to think about some of these things that I'm talking about. These slides are for free. You can download it for yourself and then think about every point. Every point is a point to think about. Okay? So I leave it with you. I don't know when I'm coming back again. But if you are just going to have something to go by, at least you have a set of notes that I'm leaving behind for you. But men, I want to address you right now to say that in God's calendar, in God's agenda, and even in social sciences, in researches, they have found that the father figure is of primary importance. The re in fact, in America, they are big on research. The research is saying that all the social problems that they have in the whole of the United States of America is upon one problem, the father issue. That's how big it is. And if you are led by the Lord to be able to function in the grace of God, you will do great benefit to your own family, for the church family, 
and for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So this is in short, the thesis on men, on fathers. So I want to pray, Father, for these men right now. Lift up your hands and surrender yourself to the Lord. You yourself and say to the Lord, Father, I stand before you and help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Father, to be the man you want me to be. Lord Jesus, I present these men before you. I want to lift off every sense of inadequacy that they may have. Maybe some of them might have failures that they think that I'm, I'm a failure. Or some of them just say that, well, I don't know, I've done my best. So let the children be whatever they want to be. But we know that if the children don't end up the way they should be, actually we are still accountable. I pray, Father God, not with a voice of judgment, but with a heart of compassion and empathy, because I'm a father and a man myself. But I want to join myself with the hearts of all, this, all these men in FGAM this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that in the love of Jesus Christ, Father, I lift, off, lift up these men before you. I lift off every condemnation upon them. I lift off every condemnation, every sense of inadequacy, every sense of refrain or rejection or inferiority or insecurity that we may have. I, Father, I ask you, Lord, to help us by the Holy Spirit and release your people, set your men free. Set your fathers free and release a fresh anointing this year upon them for the good of the homes as well as for the families and also for the church. I give thanks to you and I pray, Father, that you will cause your hand to rest strongly upon each and every one of them. Do not let us go, but lead us by your grace and by your hand in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. 11.34, God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jeremiah. Hey, can I just have...